Coming up in today's edition of Locked On Eagles, it's a mailbag episode. I give my thoughts on some listener questions, including what I think of Bajan Robinson as a potential option in round one, what I would have done differently compared to Howie Roseman in free agency, all that and more on this Thursday edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in, Eagles fans, to a Thursday edition of the show, and it's sponsored by Ultimate Football GM. Dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and making your franchise your own? You can do it with this game. Download the app or go to ultimate-gm.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get a 100% free boost to your franchise. Really excited about today's edition of the podcast because it's a mailbag edition of the show. So we finally get to hear from our listeners for the first time in a long time. We've been busy with the Super Bowl coverage, and then we had to dive right into free agency and our offseason simulations, mock draft Monday. Honestly, the offseason for Lockdown Eagles, this podcast content-wise, is busier than during the season. I'm definitely an off-season junkie. I love speculation season, and so it's been an awesome ride. But I thought, you know, now that the first initial crazy wave of free agency is over, and outside of Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue and Robert Quinn, the Eagles don't have any pending free agents left. They've made their decisions on who to keep and who to let walk. Let's finally hear from the listeners. See what your thoughts are after free agency, any questions that you have. So that's what we're going to get into on today's edition of the show. And like I said, you can find our podcast Monday through Friday on all platforms and on YouTube as well. And to get your questions in, even after the show, if you're listening, but you want me to answer something that you've thought about with this team this offseason, you can always hit us up on Twitter at LockdownBirds and at DiBiase. L-O-E. Let's let's dive right into it. I want to get into these questions immediately because there are some really good thought-provoking points that made for some good segments. And I want to start with a tweet from our good friend, Anthony, who tweets in, Lou, if there was one move that you could do differently this offseason for the Eagles compared to what Howie Roseman decided, what would it be? And this is a really interesting question because for the most part, I was very on board with what Howie did this offseason. I was pretty much on board with every decision he made. I thought it made sense to go with Rashad Penny and the value of a cheaper running back with the same amount of production, if not better, when he's healthy compared to Miles Sanders, who got a long-term four-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. I understood letting Isaac Sayamalu walk, considering you have Jeff Stoutland, you have guard options in-house, in the draft. You have an elite four-fifths of that unit around the right guard position. I understood Valuing Fletcher Cox at $10 million versus Javon Hargrave at $21 million. I understood bringing back Brandon Graham, Nicobe Dean over Kazir White, re-signing both cornerbacks, even letting Marcus Epps walk. I would say if there was one move I would like to have back or I would have done differently, it's with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Now we know Howie Roseman definitely tried to re-sign CGJ this offseason. It was the report initially this offseason right when free agency started that the Eagles made a three-year offer to CGJ worth $24 million. But Chauncey, we now know, wanted to test the open market. 
He misread the market, didn't have a better deal out there, so he signs a one-year prove-it deal with the Detroit Lions. But we also know the report was is that the Eagles had an opportunity to match that contract worth $8 million, and we know that they chose otherwise. And I would have done that differently. I get that one year of $8 million versus three years is different because you can spread that contract out over three years. You can backload the deal. So you have that front-loaded money now to pay the likes of James Bradbury and Darius Slay and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey. Those guys are all on one-year deals too. So I get a part of it for sure. You know, Kelsey's making $14 million, Cox 10, Graham 6. So you don't have as much money up front as you did with you know, those guys, because those are short-term deals. But for me, I would have still tried to find a way to make it work. I would have maybe restructured Lane Johnson's contract. A.J. Brown, you have that option coming up, and Hassan Riddick, where that was going to free up a ton of cap space. I don't know. To me, I would have found a way to make up $8 million to pay CGJ, a 25-year-old, to me, top-tier safety that can do it all and wear so many hats. I would have found a way to match that offer. So I would say that's the one move that I wasn't really happy with. If you were willing to pay him over those three years and offer him that initial contract, to me, you should have been willing to pay him that other deal as well. I would say the other move is maybe the TJ Edwards contract. Him only getting $6.5 million in Chicago, I don't know. I would have maybe liked to have matched that or try to pay him a little bit more. I think... Again, I know Howie Roseman doesn't love to pay linebackers, but I think TJ Edwards and Nicobe Dean next year would have been perfect. You can keep Edwards in the middle. Nicobe Dean can be that will that replaces Kazir White. Is Edwards worth seven and a half plus million dollars a year? Maybe not. So that's why I'm not saying that I would have definitely paid TJ and done it different compared to what Howie did. But I think it was something to consider more compared to all the other moves. So the only move I really disagreed with was not paying Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Maybe you could have made the case to bring back TJ Edwards, but outside of that, Anthony, I was really on board with the job that Howie did, who he prioritized bringing back, what numbers he brought back certain veterans on, and some other low-risk free agents like Rashad Penny, like Greedy Williams, Marcus Mariota. Overall, a really good job from Howie Roseman. Great question there for sure to kick things off. Another one here before we take a break from at birds round table, he tweets and the Eagles seem to be at the forefront of analytics every year. With that in mind, what do you think the Eagles try to tweak this year in terms of roster construction, play calling, et cetera, from last year to be ahead of the curve? I think that's true. You know, this past year you saw the quarterback sneak, right? You saw the three-man rugby scrum where they're pushing Jalen Hurts up the middle, and they did it literally every time on third and two or fourth and two and shorter. And it worked 90, what's the joke with Jason Kelsey on the New Heights podcast and Jalen Hurts, 92% of the time, pretty much 100% of the time, it works. It only didn't work, what, once or twice last year. So that was one of those instances where it was ahead of the curve. QB sneaks isn't a new invention in the NFL, but it was never utilized the way the Eagles did it. And they had a creative wrinkle to it as well. So I think when it comes to roster construction, I don't know. I don't think it will ever change. And I don't think it should. This team values the passing game, quarterback, weapons, offensive linemen. They value cornerbacks, edge rushers, and defensive linemen. Not as much safety, linebacker, running back. I think that's a very 
traditional way in the Eagle sense, right? They've been doing that philosophy since the Andy Reid days of the early 2000s. Um, I don't think the roster construction, they're going to suddenly tweak anything there. Um, Gino in Mock Draft Monday had them take a fullback. So maybe you get that use check type, right? The San Francisco 49ers fullback tight end tweener that you can use in pre-snap motion going from fullback to tight end can help in the power run game in the red zone. Maybe you try to add that kind of new wrinkle to this offense. I know it's not a trend set, but I think you're going to see a lot more empty set in this offense under Brian Johnson next year. I think especially without Miles Sanders, if who knows if Rashad Penny's going to be healthy. Not that you're not going to run the football anymore, but I think you're going to see a lot more empty set with Jalen Hurts, the lone man in the backfield. So you're definitely going to see some different things in 2023. But for the most part, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And I think you should try to do exactly what you did in 2022. But yeah, Howie Roseman said it himself. You're always trying to stay ahead of the curve. If I knew what they were going to do, that wouldn't really be ahead of the curve. So I'm very interested to see what those new creative wrinkles are in the front office, coaching on the field and off the field for sure. Let's continue our mailbag episode coming up next, guys, right here on the Locked On Eagles podcast. But first, today's episode of Locked On Eagles is sponsored by FanDuel. You've got the tournament heating up right now. The first week did not disappoint. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. And you can bet on more than just the tournament, the NBA, NHL, NFL futures, all that and more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, the NFL, and now the LockedOn Podcast Network. All right, Eagles fans, we're continuing on this Wednesday edition, or I should say Thursday. No, yeah, Wednesday edition of the show. I might have said Thursday earlier. Got my days mixed up. It's been a long one. Headed to Nashville later on today for uh, my brother's bachelor party, so recording this a little early. Pretty stoked. Just getting over a cough, too. So uh, free agency last week kicked my ass. I was up pretty much what, 12, 13 hours a day with my day job as well. So it's a Wednesday edition of the show, and it's a mailbag edition of the show as well. Some awesome questions already from Anthony and at Birds Roundtable on Twitter. Let's continue on with these questions because we've still got some really good ones to get into. This one is from at Quez Season on Twitter. He tweets in, what is your stance on Bajan Robinson Bijan Robinson. I don't know why I'm saying Bijan, like a French dessert. But what is your stance on Bijan Robinson as a round one option? He visited the Eagles this week. I know you used to be a quote running backs matter guy. He's referring to 2019 when I was all in on the Eagles drafting Josh Jacobs in the first round or taking Miles Sanders or taking David Montgomery or Devin Singletary. Heck, even. Who else did I talk myself into that year? It was the two guys we had on the podcast. It was Darwin Thompson and Bruce Anderson later on in the draft. Look, I still am. I still am a running backs matters guy. I think it has its value, especially in this offense. You saw when Miles Sanders is a career year on top of the passing game that you have, on top of the elite mobile quarterback you have and the elite 
rushing and pass protecting offensive line, it can put your team over the top. When you're the most balanced team in the NFL, the Eagles were completely unstoppable last year. And so it would be harder to do that without a Miles Sanders or a Rashad Penny type of talent. I still love the idea of having one of those guys that can do it all. And I really hope that Penny can stay healthy in this offense. But when it comes to B. John Robinson, why I'm out on that idea, I have changed since 2019 in many ways, but this is more about my running back philosophy. I think that my stance has changed in many ways. Number one, I don't think this offense needs to invest a top pick or big money at running back to be great at running the football. Again, you can't do what you did in 2018 and have, you know, Josh Adams and who Wendell Smallwood and a regressed Corey Clement to be your starting running backs. No, you can't do that. But at the same time, you have Jalen Hurts. You have this elite offensive line. You can get by with, I've seen too many times since 2019. And even before that, there are way too many examples of star running backs being found in round four and beyond or on cheap free agent contracts where they just come out of nowhere. I've just seen too many examples of cheaper options that can make up similar production compared to stars that teams are investing big money in. So I also know that this team's not going to pay a running back. They just spent a second round pick on Miles Sanders, who had four really good years in Philadelphia, whether some critics will tell you that or not. I think he was really good in all four years with the Eagles, and they didn't pay him, and he was an early pick. So to me, this team said, we are not willing to pay a running back, even if he has the type of year Sanders had in 2022. So I'm not going to draft a player in the first or second round that I'm guaranteed to only have for one contract. Some might say Bijan Robinson is a generational type of talent at running back and getting four or five inexpensive contract years of that kind of player is worth the selection. I don't think so. I want at least two contracts out of my first or second round pick and maybe 10 plus years. I want there to be a chance that we have a Brandon Graham on our hands that's on this team for 15 years, a Fletcher Cox, a Jason Kelsey, a Lane Johnson. That's who I'm taking in the first or second round. And if this Eagles team is telling us that, and maybe it's not, maybe just because they didn't pay Miles Sanders, they're not willing to pay a running back. But, you know, look at the tea leaves, look at the breadcrumbs from the past. I don't think this team is willing to pay a running back. So I don't think it's worth taking B. John Robinson with the 30th pick, let alone the 10th overall selection. So that's why I'm out on Bijan. I think it's too easy to find similar production for cheaper. I think the Eagles, especially on the Eagles, it's going to be easier because of what they have set up on this offense already with Jalen and with this offensive line. So that's why my stance has changed. At the same time, though, I do love Bijan Robinson. He is incredible. One of the most complete running back talents we've seen in a long time, an incredible receiver, an incredible route runner. He doesn't look like a running back when he splits out wide. Like this guy is a legitimate day one talent. And I will say he is the most like when it comes to if the Eagles were going to in this vacuum, if the Eagles were going to draft a player this year in the first round, that would make the biggest impact on their chances of winning a Super Bowl in 2023. In that way, with that logic, you could make the argument for B. John Robinson. But I would not draft him for all of the reasons that I laid out. But it's a really good question. And 
I think there's a lot of people that disagree with me. And B. John Robinson was on an official top 30 visit with Philadelphia. He posted on Instagram a picture of the link from, I don't know if that was a plane or a bus, but uh, he was in Philadelphia. So never say never, but how he's never done it before drafting a running back in the first round. I know he's had maybe interest in the past and a Christian McCaffrey if he was available, but I, I just, I don't know. I can't see it. I think he showed his hand by letting Miles Sanders walk and who he brought in. Because that's the thing. It wasn't just letting Miles Sanders walk. He could have paid more money to a David Montgomery or it's the guy he brought in, Rashad Penny's a good talent, but it's with little risk. Penny has what, $600,000 guaranteed to his contract. So to me, that tells you everything you need to know about this position and what Howie intends to do. But it's a really good question. All right, let's get to another one. Chris tweets in, what is your nightmare destination for Lamar Jackson from an Eagles perspective? And that's a good one. We saw the report today from Mike Florio of NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk that Lamar Jackson might not only be willing to take less than a fully guaranteed contract, but he's also wanting out of Baltimore, which I love for Lamar. I think they're sabotaging him. They've been setting him up to fail for years. So I'm glad that he wants out of Baltimore. We've talked about how the NFC right now is owned by the Eagles, especially at the quarterback position after Jalen Hurts. Who's the top competition? Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, maybe down the road, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. But outside of that, or whoever the first overall pick's going to be with the Carolina Panthers. So if Lamar Jackson came into the mix, that would definitely make things tougher. My nightmare scenario for the NFC where Lamar would go that would make me a little nervous, definitely San Francisco. If Lamar Jackson's the 49ers, they're probably the favorite over the Eagles. So I would say San Fran. I don't know if that's super realistic. Maybe something more realistic, I would say like two other teams I would say are Detroit and Washington. Washington, for obvious reasons, you don't want Lamar Jackson in your division. You don't have to play him twice a year. And Washington, as big of a joke of a franchise it's been under Dan Snyder, their roster is good. There's a reason they're picking in the middle of the first round every year and they're stuck in this quarterback purgatory because this roster is keeping them afloat. It really is. I mean, you look at the front four they've had, the front seven in the past, their secondary has been okay. You look at the receivers. I mean, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, I think, is a stud. You look at Curtis Samuel, Brian Robinson in the backfield. They have a good offensive line. Lamar Jackson, I don't think, would go to D.C., but it's maybe the best option that he would never consider. From just an on-paper roster standpoint, Lamar Jackson with the Commanders, I don't want to see that happen. Definitely don't want to see that. Detroit, too. The Detroit Lions are another team. It's not a sexy market in Detroit. It's not a big-name franchise, but their roster, I don't agree with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that it's as good, if not better, than the Eagles Super Bowl roster from last year, but it's pretty incredible. So I would say San Francisco, obviously. After that, I would say Detroit and Washington. All right, guys, we got another segment of questions to wrap up this Wednesday edition of Locked On Eagles. It's the mailbag edition of the show. Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile game app, and if you've thought about becoming a good general manager, you've got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build a historic 
Dynasty with Ultimate Football GM. You're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season, all in this challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want to, when you want to. Lockdown Eagles listeners, you get a 100% free boost to your franchise when using the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in the game store. That's LOCKDOWN. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, Eagles fans, we're wrapping up this Wednesday edition of Locked on Eagles. And so we're going to continue on with this mailbag edition of the show. Some awesome questions. I've had a lot of fun with these topics. And let's finish up with a really fun one from Brandon, who tweets in, I saw how hyped you were for the Marcus Mariota signing. We did the deal. Finally, absolutely, Brandon. What is another moment in Eagles history you could think of where you were irrationally excited? I love this question. Thank you so much for tweeting it in, Brandon. So, yeah, he's right. I got very excited about Marcus, not just because I think he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think he fits perfectly behind Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback, wouldn't have to change the playbook around. But just again, the nostalgia of this was a guy that a former Eagles head coach and general manager was willing to pay the entire future for to be the face of the franchise. There's so many what ifs with, if they brought in Mariota, they probably never win Super Bowl 52. Who knows how long he's the franchise quarterback. There's no Doug Peterson, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, that whole era, Howie Roseman coming back probably ceases to exist. So that was super fun for me to have Mariota finally be an Eagle eight years later, it all comes full circle. And the GM that brought him in is the GM that lost that power struggle in 2015 to Chip Kelly. So I definitely got that way a lot about the Mariota signing. It's for a backup. I was way too irrationally excited. You should have seen me jumping up and down when I woke up to the news. But I get that way a lot with obscure storylines and games and player signings for the Eagles. I'm a nerd in this way, so I get irrationally excited a lot. Another instance I would say, for a lot of the same reasons as Mariota, although it's not a reunion with Mariota, it kind of feels like it, of an old friend that we paid attention to and were obsessed with for an entire offseason. I would say 2019, when you reunion, when you bring in, when you reunite with Deshaun Jackson, that to me was like a Super Bowl win because Deshaun Jackson was my favorite player growing up. Thought he was cut way too soon. He felt like the missing piece for Carson Wentz. And for two years, I pounded the table to get him back. And it didn't happen until it finally did. So when they traded for Deshaun Jackson and when he went off week one in 2019, that was a dream. I would also say that same season, 2019, Carson Wentz going on that four-game win streak at the end just to get to 9-7 and seven and win the NFC East, that was something that made me irrationally excited too just because for two years, I had really wanted to see Carson Wentz go on these playoff runs, right? He was supposed to be your franchise quarterback of 10-plus years. You wanted to see what he could do in the postseason, and he kept getting hurt. In 2019, there were off-season Super Bowl aspirations. Then you have all these injuries, and you lose that game to Miami, and it feels like you're dead in the water. Right, You had that 
two-game losing streak where it felt like things were falling apart against New England and Seattle. And then Carson takes this practice squad group of weapons on a four-game win streak, elevating the team, showing what a franchise quarterback should do, what they could do, and then bring you to the postseason and go on a run of your own, kind of exercising those demons. You know, it resulted in a wild card loss that most people forget because Wentz got hurt two drives in. And again, they weren't Super Bowl contenders that year. Even when they won the NFC East and beat New York and Dallas those final two weeks, we knew they weren't going to win anything. And so that's why it made me irrationally excited. I got maybe way too pumped for that division win. But that was a year I, I bought the hat. I bought the shirt, the division champions gear. I was all in on that. So some irrational excitement from 2019. I would say anytime Razul Douglas used to make a play, I would get irrationally excited compared to others. Sadly, when they drafted Jalen Rager, I wouldn't say that's irrational, though, because that's a first-round receiver. So I'll remove that from the equation. Here's a deep track I'll finish off the show with. When they signed Dennis Dixon back in 2013, you might not even remember that they signed Dennis Dixon. You might not even know who Dennis Dixon was. He was a Heisman favorite star quarterback at Oregon, just like Marcus Mariota, with Chip Kelly back in 2008. I was a diehard Dennis Dixon fan at Oregon that year. Devastated when he tore his ACL against Arizona. He was going to win the Heisman. When Chip Kelly got hired in 2013, his first order of business, his Zach Pascal was, if you will, was Dennis Dixon. And some people, including myself, thought, and a couple Giants players thought this too, that Dennis Dixon was going to start over Nick Foles over Michael Vick. We know that died quick. They drafted uh, Matt Barkley in the fourth round. Dennis Dixon didn't even make the 53-man roster, but I was a big Dennis Dixon guy, and then they signed him, and I thought he could potentially start. He was a mobile quarterback. I loved mobile quarterbacks. Um, I have a Dennis Dixon Oregon jersey in my closet somewhere, so that's a deep track. I would say 2013 me um, being all in on Dennis Dixon. All right. Awesome questions, guys. Thank you so much for participating in today's mailbag edition of the show. Gino will be back tomorrow and Friday for two more shows. I'll be in Nashville on a bachelor party for my older brother. So I'm going to take a much needed break, but Gino's got you covered the next two days. Subscribe to Lockdown Eagles on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. We thank you for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure your second listen is the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. You can find that podcast wherever you get Locked On Eagles. I'm Louis DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for watching and listening, and let's go Birds!